Hello, listeners. Welcome to another episode of Living Well with Dr. Peg. I'm your host, Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark, and I'm joined by my engineer, Dave Keita. And we're here every Thursday at One Mountain, coming to you from Denver, Colorado, on KLZ 560 AM, and streaming online around the world at drpegradio.com. And if you missed last week's episode or any episode of Living Well with Dr. Peg, be sure to go to drpegradio.com for the program archives. And our show shares information and inspiration for living well and staying safe and is brought to you by our sponsor, SSI Guardian, the leader in school safety and security. School safety requires a comprehensive approach comprised of best practice-based solutions around mental health, physical security, hardware and technology, and SSI Guardian is the only organization in America that addresses all of the critical components required for a 21st century safe school. Learn more by visiting SSIGuardian.com. Well, today we're talking about active shooting incidents, school safety, workplace safety, winter safety, and emergency preparedness. And the FBI defines an active shooter incident as one or more individuals actively engaged in killing or attempting to kill people in a populated area. And an attack at Chicago's Mercy Hospital last week, which left a doctor, a pharmacy resident, and a police officer and the gunman dead, and the false alarm two days ago at Walter Reed Medical Center remind us that medical centers must not only treat those victims of mass violence, but also prepare for the possibility of becoming targets themselves. And of all people, our children deserve the safest learning environment possible. And to share best practices in safety and emergency preparedness at work, school, play, or worship, my guest today is Michael Yorio, president of SSI Guardian. Michael, thanks again for being with us today. Welcome back to the program. Hey, Dr. Piggy, good afternoon. Hope everything's well. Everything's well, and I know you are in our nation's capital, Washington, D.C., not too far from Walter Reed Medical Center, and we just had a false alarm there two days ago um, in Bethesda. Uh, tell us what happened there. Uh, supposedly it was um, uh, an exercise or a drill, but they forgot to put the words in the announcement, <laughs> in the alert, uh, and some folks were locked down and barricaded and panicked and probably traumatized. Yes, I've been in D.C. all week, and I, I was here when this incident happened. Um, it's, it's actually a, it's a learning moment, in, in my opinion. Uh, this is a very, very real example of why training exercises need to follow best practices. One of those best practices, obviously, includes communication, mm. communicating it to everybody who's involved, all agencies, all employees, departments, etc. cetera. Uh, so per the reports, you know, the local congressman there is calling it a bungled uh, drill. Uh, not everybody knew it was. In fact, that is what set off the false alarm. People thought it was a live event and hit the active shooter alert, uh, which sent this whole thing into a whirlwind. So these things happen not only in schools, but in schools, in medical facilities, in organizations, in places of worship. Uh, so, again, it's imperative that when we're practicing um, these emergency preparedness drills, that they find a best practice methodology, including effective communication. Yeah, and so there, there are so many moving parts here, because on the one hand, we're talking about a drill that went wrong. They boggled the communication by not clearly uh, communicating that this was, in fact, a drill. So that, there's a whole set of right. best practice guidelines for drills. And then there's actually 
in a real live event, what are the appropriate responses and how do we prepare best for those? Uh, so best practices really sounds like the keyword of the day. Best practices is the key word, in my opinion, of the century when it comes to preparedness. Um, you, you raise a good point. There, there, in 2018, there are many different alert systems out there. Um, and again, using this as a learning moment, how easily are these things activated when they should not be, whether by accident or by intent? Right. So it's important that, that, that all facilities have the appropriate alert systems and that all employees who are able to execute or initiate the alert mm -hmm. have been trained properly or comfortable with the way that particular system works. Yeah, and maybe some checks and balances in place as well. Well, you're listening to Living Well with Dr. Pegg. I'm your host, Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark, and my guest today is national safety and security expert Michael Yorio. And there was also a shooting at Mercy Hospital in Chicago over a week ago which evidently stemmed from a domestic dispute. Well, how common is it for an active shooting incident to be connected with a domestic dispute that spills over into a public place? Well, Michael Yorio has the answer when we return. Stay with us, we'll be back. One needs to look no further than today's headlines to understand the threats facing American schools. They remain soft targets for violent threats, and yet our schools go largely underprepared. The SSI Guardian QAL, or Quick Action Lockdown, is the fastest and safest way to lock down a classroom. This revolutionary device provides schools with the maximum locking protection while meeting all life safety fire and building codes. Designed by the leading lock experts in the world, the QAL is the only lock that meets Department of Homeland Security primer recommendations. Our children deserve the highest level of education and the safest learning environment possible. SSI Guardian QAL now makes classroom lockdowns fast and safe with the red button. Get the QAL today by calling SSI Guardian at 877-878-5800 or go to SSIGuardian.com. Do you ever make changes, but after a few days, weeks, or even months, you slip back into your old behaviors and habits? Well, if you want something different, you've got to do something different. Yet most people won't do what's required to experience the lasting change they say they want. Why? Because change is hard, it's scary, and it comes at a cost. If you're ready to learn the fundamental principles and proven strategies for making lasting changes in your life, join me for an exclusive one-day personal transformation retreat. In this intensive yet intimate experience, you'll gain vital information and insights to help you craft a customized plan for change that you can put into action right away. Contact me today to schedule your life-changing personal transformation retreat. Go to drpegradio.com retreat. Welcome back, everyone. I'm Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark, and you're listening to Living Well with Dr. Peg, information and inspiration for living well and staying safe. And we're talking about active shooter incidents and workplace and school safety, and we'll also be talking about winter safety. Are you prepared for a critical incident? And can you believe there's only one month left in 2018? Do you want to get unstuck now and establish new habits that will move you forward in the new year? Well, if you're finally ready to experience lasting change in your life, contact me today to take advantage of my upcoming one-of-a-kind personal transformation retreat scheduled for Saturday, December 29th 
2018 in Denver, Colorado. Just go to drpegradio.com to learn more about this exciting, life-changing experience. And I'm speaking with national safety and security expert and president of SSI Guardian, Michael Yorio. Michael, thanks again so much for being with us today. We've got a lot going on in, near our nation's capital, and you're, you're right there, right in the middle of things today. Absolutely. It's been a very active week and um, not so much good activity. Um, reminds us of the seriousness of this threat and the all too common frequency that it occurs. Mm-hmm. It seems like almost every week we turn on the news and something's going on. Uh, there was a shooting at Mercy Hospital in Chicago over a week ago, which evidently stemmed from a domestic dispute. Uh, and how common is it for an active shooting incident um, in a public location to first have started at home or to kind of spill over from a domestic dispute? We know when we talk about schools that 95% of these shooters are, in fact, current students. When we talk about shootings, whether in a public place or in a workplace, I would consider Mercy Hospital a a workplace. Um, It's really not uncommon at all uh, for there to be a a domestic um, contributing factor. Um, We see this quite a bit. Uh, Even in some schools, what happened last year in San Bernardino, Mm -hmm. uh, in an elementary school, which was over a domestic dispute. So with workplace, it's very common for, uh, again, a domestic uh, factor to be involved. Mm -hmm. And it's it's quite unfortunate. There are things that workplaces can do that employers can do. Um, And we talked about communication in the last segment, communicating. So if you're an employee and you're going through some domestic um, trials and tribulations and and you're concerned, um, you really need to share that with the appropriate folks within your organization, whether it's HR or somebody at the executive level, um, so they can um, plan for a potential event. Uh, So, again, we don't want to make people paranoid, but communication does go a long way in um, mitigating attacks. Mm -hmm. And my my hunch is that people might feel embarrassed or ashamed that they're going through a personal domestic conflict, and even though their instincts are telling them this person might show up at work, they might be reluctant to share that with the appropriate folks, the HR department or security. But um, what's your sense of how most workplaces handle these types of incidents? Do they tend to be judgmental or do they really just respond to the threat at hand and try to mitigate it and respond appropriately? I would hope that no employer would be judgmental when you're dealing with one safety um, and dealing with with a very confidential matter. Mm -hmm. Um, So when you're dealing with, again, the appropriate people, you probably don't want to broadcast this to everybody on your team. But again, the appropriate people who you can share a serious concern with in confidence. Um, So again, I I would hope that no employer would judge anybody because they're going through a uh, safety uh, predicament. most employers that I have seen do take this serious. Um, I, I believe that they are liable in doing so or if they don't take action. Mm. So most, I believe, will do the right thing, but they have to have the accurate and appropriate information. Um, so it, it's tough. And you raise a good point, talk to Peggy. Yeah, some folks uh, are embarrassed and they don't want to share it with people. Um, but I would say to the listeners, um, kind of set that aside and know that you're doing the right thing and not just for yourself, but for the well-being of your co-workers. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we were talking about the, the drill that got, kind of got botched at Walter Reed Medical Center 
uh, earlier this week. Uh, and so it seems like when we're doing drills and practicing that a domestic um, scenario playing out, kind of moving from home to the workplace might be one of the kinds of scenarios that uh, folks should be uh, drilling around. That's right. And we also know that many of these incidents do start at home. Um, they will start at home or off premise. And then many times the attacker will um, injure or um, take the lives of family members before they go to the workplace um, to take further action. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, I want to talk about another really tragic um, incident that occurred on Thanksgiving Day. Uh, there was a 21-year-old uh, Alabama man who was fatally shot by police at a mall on Thanksgiving evening after a fight between several people erupted outside of a store inside of the mall. And uh, this young man was allegedly shot by one of two officers who mistook him for the assailant. Uh, they say he was brandishing a weapon, uh, but there's some inconsistencies in the reports of what may have actually happened. They've come out uh, initially with one uh, version of what happened, and then it's changed a couple of times. Now, taking into consideration um, that this man, uh, it seems, was um, attempting to be a hero, attempting to help. Um, there's been a lot of talk about arming teachers and citizens defending themselves during an active shooter incident. Uh, but what guidance can you give us, uh, given that there may be people out there with concealed carry permits legally with their weapons, what would be your guidance on them pulling that weapon out in an active shooting incident, trying to help people and trying to, to stop the threat? Yeah, we talk about this all the time, uh, both with, with corporations and with schools, um, that you really need to understand that these incidents are very, very chaotic uh, for the teachers, for the students, for law enforcement. So it, these things are chaotic. Everybody is panicked. Uh, the adrenaline is running very rapidly. So whether this gentleman had a weapon or not, I guess we'll let the investigation play out. Uh, but in those situations, it's not uncommon uh, for law enforcement to mistake an object. We talk about this a lot. Put your hands up, uh, hands spread, palms open. They know that there's nothing in your hands. So through training, through self-awareness, we tell folks all the time, do not try to be the hero. So this is a tragic incident that you have a, a, a young man who was trying to safeguard the lives of others, and in the process, um, you know, it's encountered a very, very bad situation. So it's very sad, but again, it's another one of these real-life examples. These things seem easy, so it's, but they're not, I assure you. They're difficult. Every incident is different. Things can be misconstrued, uh, misinterpreted, and fortunately, innocent people sometimes um, get caught in the crossfire. Mm -hmm. um, so and people really need to think. We get asked this a lot about Army teachers not a best practice. This is a reason why. Uh, if we take that situation in a shopping mall, put it into a school setting, similar situation, police arrive, all they know is they're responding to an active shooter event. They don't know who the shooter is. When they see a weapon, they are going to shoot and then ask questions later. That's how they are trained to do. So these things happen very, very rapidly. So we have to really, again, back to the best practices, do things uh, that are that, that align with security best practices. Mm -hmm. Very sad. Very sad. Yeah, and we've we've seen incidents where um, someone was able to stop the threat. Maybe they were an off duty 
um, security guard or something of that nature. But really, it's so critically important uh, to drop the weapon, put your hands in the air, and not have anything in your hands, cell phones, wallets. Uh, we've seen far too many um, bad shootings uh, because uh, law enforcement thought someone had something in their hands. So um, for sure, don't have the weapon in your hands and make sure your fingers are spread and there's no mistaking that you're not the bad guy. A weapon, a cell phone, to your point, Dr. Peggy, any object mm -hmm. um, that could be misconstrued. A weapon is not exclusive to a handgun or mm -hmm. a long gun. It could be a detonator. It could mm -hmm. be a, a knife. It could be something else. So any object will be probably interpreted at that moment in time as a potential weapon. Mm -hmm. So it's very important we, you know, for civilians who are untrained to don't try to be the hero, please. Absolutely. Well, I'm speaking with national safety and security expert Michael Yorio, who's the president of SSI Guardian. And Michael, you all specialize in the 21st century safe school. So let's switch gears and talk more specifically about school safety. Uh, you know, our children sure. deserve the safest environments possible when they're at school. And we know that safety is just a prerequisite for learning. We can't learn if we don't feel safe. So what should parents and educators know about best practices in school safety? So that's really why I'm up in D.C. this week, Dr. Peggy, mm -hmm. meeting with legislators and agencies and talking about these best practice guidelines and why they, it's so imperative uh, that schools are empowered and given this life-saving guidance. So we're not talking about mandates. We're talking about guidance. So school districts and leaders can have the most information possible and do the greatest deal of due diligence to make the best decisions for their districts. Mm -hmm. So it's very important. So I encourage everybody, parents as well, to understand what these best practices are. So real quick, classroom door locks, are they fire code compliant? Are they ADA compliant? Do they adhere to Department of Homeland Security recommendations? Some of those recommendations, does it lock easily from the inside of the classroom? That's by pushing a, a pushing a button, excuse me, so that anyone can lock that door in the event the teacher is not in the room. In the case the key gets lost, one panics and you just can't lock that door fast enough. So all of these valuable um, points of guidance that are best practices, these are not ideas, these are not things that Guardian or anybody else has invented. These are tried and proven best practices. When it comes to training, is the training done in a professional manner with, a, with credentialed instructors, does it include both mental health and physical security components? So all of these things, and if anybody goes to our website, they'll see a plethora of, uh, of writings and videos and et cetera speaking to these best practices. So it's very important that parents uh, become educated and can discern fact from fiction. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, a lot that's what's happening in our schools uh, are being pawned off as a best practice. Um, but in reality, they're not. But we only know that if we understand what these best practices mean. Right. And so explain to the listener who may be a parent, may be involved with the PTA, or a concerned um, community member who stays abreast of what's happening with their local school board, how can the average parent who might be listening today or the average citizen in a community who's concerned about public school education, for example, how can they take that knowledge about best practices, they can go to the SSI Guardian website, read up on that, 
what do they do with that information to actually make a real difference in their child's school and classroom? I would encourage every parent to first get educated and then apply that new knowledge to your child's school's existing situation. Uh, as a parent, you have a right to know. Um, you have a right to ask, uh, what kind of door lock do you have, and ask these questions. You have a, a right to ask about training and have a more informed conversation about the training, not just accept the fact that, uh, yes, Mr. Yorio, we have training in our school and your child is safe. Well, talk to me about that training. What does that training entail? So schools typically do not share their emergency operations plan um, with parents, and they should not do that for obvious reasons. But a parent has every right to know to question everything that school is doing, whether it's training or a door lock or another bit of a, a safety uh, solution that that school has. Mm -hmm. And then have a very you know, adult, candid, professional, polite conversation. Uh, in many cases, look, the schools want to do the right things without question. But if they're operating from a position of inaccurate information, it's very easily for things to be implemented at a school that do not align with security industry best practices. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so they might be able to ask questions that would prompt an, a school administrator or school board to perhaps think about school safety in a different way if they weren't really thinking about what are the evidence-based best practice guidelines. That's right. Good. Absolutely. If, if they, i, I got to believe if a superintendent has, has new knowledge brought to his or her desk, and takes a look at this and compares it to what they're currently doing. And again, the purpose is not to, to shame anybody. Right. The purpose is to create the safest learning environments possible. Um, and superintendents, they do a myriad of different things. Mm -hmm. So again, we get back to we're expecting too much from schools. Mm -hmm. We're expecting schools to make life-critical decisions in an area that is not their area of expertise. These are educators. Um, this is what they do, but now they've been given this daunting task mm -hmm. and an unfair task. Just make your school safe with no to little guidance. Right. Well, I'm grateful that you're out there in our nation's capital, Michael, um, advocating on behalf of best practices so our kids can be safer at school. Uh, let's, no. let's talk about um, emergency preparedness as the weather has been changing. It's winter time. Uh, we've already had snow here in Colorado, and snow has come down around the country. And according to HomelandSecurity'sReady.gov website, winter storms and blizzards uh, obviously bring extreme cold, freezing rain, snow, ice, high winds, and they create a higher risk of car accidents, hypothermia, frostbite, carbon monoxide poisoning, and even heart attacks from overexertion. Talk about some personal safety and emergency preparedness uh, best practices now that we're in the winter months. Sure, and if I may real quick, yeah. another thing parents can do, Dr. Peggy, is insert common sense into the equation. Mm -hmm. Now, regardless of your base knowledge of, of safety and security best practices, if something does not seem right from a common sense perspective, it's probably not. Mm -hmm. So if you, if you think it makes sense to have buckets of rocks in a classroom and we're going to stone the gunman, uh, most people would agree that does not pass the common sense test. Um, so always insert common sense. But to answer your question about uh, winter safety, um, very, very important. Um, the, the, the cold is no joke, and it can cause severe damage if you're unprepared, um, especially with small children. So it's important that we monitor the weather. We make sure that our children, ch children have the appropriate winter gear, um, minimal exposed skin, if any, 
So making sure we have the hat, we have the face covered and ears and, and, and the hands and the fingers and everything. Again, common sense things. Um, but we have to pay attention to it. We have to teach our kids to do this. If it's not real cold, but I know in Colorado the, temp- the temperature can change in a moment's notice without notice. So it's important if you live in those areas, making sure you have this gear um, in your backpack, in your handbag, or whatever you have with you in your jacket. So always making sure you have a hat, gloves, et cetera. And, um, again, not trying to be the hero. Uh, it's, it's extremely w- windy. And with small children, that could be um, – be tragic. Mm-hmm. Uh, taking care of the pets too, right? As well, it gets too yeah. cold, we got to take care of our pets. Mm-hmm. Keeping all that in mind. And so preparation is really the key. Um, but one thing I think that gets overlooked is kind of practicing our plans, checking on our supplies on a regular basis. So some of the same common sense guidelines for school safety, workplace safety really apply at home as well. Anything we can learn in a, a training such as the kind that SSI Guardian provides in the workplace, we can take some of that information and trans- translate it to our home environment and share it with our families. And I think you just touched on it, preparation. Um, don't let your, your, your rations, your food, and, and water supplies um, get to a low level, mm-hmm. especially in winter where you know that winter, could, uh, winter storms could, could come up very rapidly. So don't, don't be caught by surprise. Make sure you have batteries. Um, make sure that, you know, if you're burning any sort of alternative heater, I know kerosene heaters are popular, electric space heaters. Um, we all know that space heaters cause a lot of fires in the wintertime uh, because they're, they're too close to something. So we got to practice that safety. And on a plan, we have to plan, too. I should practice with your families, you know, if we're getting a blizzard, if it's severe cold, let's make sure that, you know, if you're using one of those heaters, it's not near anything that could catch on fire. If you have a fireplace, so practicing these safety um, best practices all the time. Mm-hmm. Just really um, staying mindful um, of whatever situation yeah. we're in, whether it's a um, public gathering place and having situational awareness of what's happening around us, uh, knowing where the exits are. Uh, the same is true for being at home. What's the situation that I'm in? Uh, it's the holiday season. We're going to be visiting family and friends, perhaps in other cities. And so being aware of our environment and um, aware of what's going on, aware of the exits when we're not in our familiar um, workplaces or our familiar homes um, as we're traveling. That's right. And avoid taking unnecessary risk. Mm-hmm. Um, don't try to be, again, the hero and driving on icy roads mm-hmm. when there's been clearly communicated that the roads are unsafe. So plan these things out. Uh, I know we all get busy in life, but nothing is more important than safety. Everything else yeah. will wait, That's whether so it's work-related or whatever the situation might be. Absolutely. Well, Michael Yorio, thanks so much for being my guest. Always a pleasure to have you on the program. My pleasure, Dr. Peggy. Stay safe. Thank you. And if you'd like to connect with Michael Yorio listeners, I'll have a link to reach him on my website as well as the program archives. If you'd like to share this interview with a friend, just go to drpegradio.com. Listeners, thanks so much for tuning in. We're brought to you every week by our sponsor, SSI Guardian. My guest was Michael Yorio, and I'm Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark, reminding you to live well.